The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Today's show, uh, or at least this half hour, brought to you by Brickhouse. Um, You know, superfood is one of those words they throw around all the time. Uh, superfoods. Oh, it's a superfood. What does shut that even up. mean? I don't even know what I don't that even means. Mean, shut up. Right. Superfood. I, I, now, of course, Brickhouse has decided, you know, what a good definition for superfood would be a, a, a really good collection of food. So right. what they do is with Field of Greens, they give you, you can put a scoop into a smoothie or, you know, mm-hmm. yogurt or whatever you're eating or drinking. Um, it tastes great. And you get all your fruits and vegetables that you need for the day. Make it really easy for you. Um, Brick, There's no nutrition facts on the site because... Uh, it's an actual superfood. It's actual food. It's food. They don't put anything in it's it. Like it's, super, it's not like some supplement, right? Yeah, no, exactly extra, right. extract. You can get 15% off your first order right now at BrickHouseGlen.com. Promo code Glenn. BrickHouseGlen.com. Never eat a salad again in your life. <laughs> uh, it's not their tagline. It is for me. <laughs> BrickHouseGlen.com. Glenn Beck. You know, I was going to start with Nancy Pelosi, but I don't really care. But Nancy Pelosi is not going to affect my life. She's not going to affect my life. I'm not going to allow her to affect my life. What's going on in Washington is just a total scam. Uh, and we all know it. Nobody really likes Nancy Pelosi. Nobody really wants her there. This is all a power struggle. So I thought I would start instead with two stories. You want the good story or the really weird story first? Uh... Uh, I guess the the good story. Let's start with a good story. Okay. Right. And then I want the really, but I do want where I'm still getting the really weird. You're story. really getting. You're gonna get the really, the really. Uh, this story is a story about a woman who has made a choice on her uh, on her daughter. Now you know the one that the six year old daughter. Uh, she says is is. Uh, you know, transgendered mm-hmm. and needs to have a sex change at six. And dad has said, no, dad lost custody. Mom has custody. It's being called child abuse. I, I think it is. I mean, it's crazy. This story makes that story look normal. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm in. So let's, let's, let's have some, let's have some, some good news uh, first. When I was six weeks old, I went to have an ultrasound uh, for tummy issues, and they noticed my ovaries were not hooked up right. The doctor at the time thought it would be best to remove them completely. When I was 13, I found out that I'd never be able to have children. It was then that I started researching adoption. As I grew older, my biggest fear was to have somebody tell a perspective, uh, to have to someday tell a perspective spouse that I would never be able to have birth uh, uh, for our children. Then I met Jason. He was a single dad to two wonderful little boys, and we fell head over heels. Before we got engaged, I told him the biggest secret of my life. One of only a handful of people knew about me. I sobbed as I told him. He grabbed my face, and he told me it didn't matter how our children came to us. They would be our children. I went through this with Tanya, and there is... Something about women that when they can't have children, they it, I, it just changes them. And it's just so devastating to them. Tanya was not supposed to be able to have any children and uh, didn't know that until we were married. And it was so colossally devastating to her. 
And I kept saying to her what he is, honey, we can adopt. The child's going to be ours. I mean, it won't matter. And we, we did adopt, and it didn't matter. Rafe is, well, for some strange reason, lately, Rafe is my son. Uh, <laughs> but when he behaves, uh, he, he, you know, he's her son. Anyway, before we got engaged, I told him about this. So we uh, took out $55,000 because there was too many shading, uh, shady adoption agencies uh, where they would cost you $55,000 and, you know, all was said and done. So we set out to do it on our own. We marketed ourselves online and through social media. We made a Facebook adoption paid, uh, page and paid for targeted ads. We had an Instagram page with pictures of our life. We also put a profile of ado- on adoption.com. We were contacted by a handful of women, but most turned out to be scams. Then we got a message on Facebook. A young woman emailed us telling us that her friend was pregnant and looking for a family. September 1st, we got a phone call from this woman in Missouri, and we talked for about an hour and a half. Over the next month, we built our relationship and became increasingly excited. However, she never got us official proof of pregnancy. People can fake ultrasounds and blood tests online all the time. I was ready to commit but I, I, because I trusted this woman, but my husband wanted to renew our adoption.com profile one more time. We renewed it on October 1st and October 7th, uh, 2nd. We got a message from another expectant mother. She had been watching our profile and wanted to meet us. Two days later, we met in a little diner 20 minutes from our house. Just when we thought she had stood us up, in walked a very pregnant girl and her mom. We hugged and she showed us the ultrasounds of a little baby boy. He then started kicking, and she had me feel her belly. Toward the end of breakfast, she asked how we felt. She then asked us if we would adopt her baby and love him forever. Jason and I sobbed in the middle of a diner in complete shock, and three weeks later, we stood there and watched as our son Andy was born. I was the first to hold him and kiss his tiny hands. That was October 30th, 2017. As we took Andy home and adjusted to being new parents, I had continued to talk with the first expectant mom that we had matched with. She had still never given us any proof. She had told us congratulations and that she had found another family for her baby. I was happy for her and maintained occasional contact over the next couple of months. But in January of this year, I received a phone call from the same woman. She told me that she had just told the other family that she didn't feel good about them adopting her baby. She then told me that she knew this baby was supposed to be ours. I stood there <clears throat> I stood there holding my 3-month-old baby boy, and she sent me pictures of an ultrasound of the baby boy growing inside. I was speechless, but I also knew, deep down, I knew. Over the next 2 weeks, my husband and I prayed a lot about adding another newborn to our family only months apart. The same resounding answer came again and again. Six weeks after that phone call, we flew out with Andy to Missouri and met another woman and her three children the night before she was being induced. We all instantly connected. The next day, we stood at her bedside and watched as our son Ellis was born. Jason even got to cut the cord. I was the first to hold him as well and kiss his tidy hands. Never did we imagine having two newborn babies only four months apart. Adoption 
Adoption is an amazing thing. Because of a woman's greatest sacrifice and selfless decisions, I have become a mom. Two, two of the most perfect baby boys I could have ever asked for. We have open adoptions with both boys, uh, birth parents. We can talk and send pictures and recently met up with Andy's birth parents at a nearby park. Four months after Ellis was born, we had a strong feeling to reach out to his birth mom, and she had mentioned that they were in a rough spot. Jason and I decided to fly uh, fly her oldest child out to visit us for 10 days so he could spend some time with Ellis. Sean and I, uh, Sean had never been on a plane before, and he had never been that far away from home. We instantly fell in love with this sweet boy. Ten days eventually turned into all summer. At the end of the summer, he asked if he could watch his new family try out for football. Before we knew it, he was talking to the coaches and asked if he could try out. Sean made the top football team for the eighth grade in his first year of ever playing an organized sport. He called his mom and asked her if he could stay. She said, whatever would make you happy. Sean has now been living with us for six months, and his football team made it all the way to the playoffs. Never did we imagine a year ago that we would be adding three more children in under nine months to the two that we already have. I have not given birth to any of the five boys we have at home right now, but I am their mom. We have since finalized both Andy and Ellis's adoptions, and they are officially ours. We share custody with our oldest two boys and their mom, and we don't have a time long line on how long Sean will be staying with us. Family doesn't have to be made from blood. It can come in many shapes and sizes. It is the love that matters. So here we are, a current family of seven And we love each other deeply, and we go out on a lot of adventures together. It's not always easy. There have been many ups and downs and everything in between. But we would never trade this for the world. So many people would love to be parents. So many people cry themselves to sleep because that's what they were born to be a parent if you are listening to the sound of my voice now and you don't know what to do please please adopt that child of yours out because that child of yours is a miracle, a true miracle that somebody else has been praying for. That child has just happened to come through you. Back in a minute. Apologies, I didn't see that one coming. I should have, but sometimes it just sneaks up on you and uh, blindsides you. All right, I want to tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is LifeLock. I had never heard of informed delivery. Have you ever heard of informed delivery? No. From the post office? 
Apparently, informed delivery is just letting you know, hey, this is what's coming in your mail today. And they take a snapshot of it and you see it. So you you know what's coming in your mailbox. Why do you need that? I mean, I'm trying to just try to figure that out. Well, one of the big things is that they come and take packages like if you you know if you know a package is coming you can keep an eye out for it and a oh, lot of times okay. people will see them on the the doorstep come take them from you and then you have no idea okay all right on. i guess yeah. okay okay so well the bad guys instead of sneaking up on your porch and taking it uh, what they've done is they've hacked in uh and they're seeing what's coming in your mailbox and they get there first Seven people just been arrested for allegedly stealing credit cards from resident mailboxes after signing up as those Jeez. victims on the UPS uh, or the the USPS website. That's the amazing. Postal service. I, these guys, sometimes you just got to give cr- criminals credit. I mean, that's a pretty can, good can scam. You, can you imagine if they would just use their powers for good <laughs> yeah, as opposed to evil? <laughs> anyway, nobody's protecting you against all the things and all the threats that are happening all around you. LifeLock is. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK right now. You also get the power of Norton Security and 15% off your first year. Promo code BECK. Get an extra 15% off. Nobody can prevent all cyber crime and, you know, identity theft and monitor all businesses. But LifeLock is the best, and they are going to catch the things that you most likely are going to miss. And they've pulled my butt out of the fire several times. It's LifeLock.com. Go to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. I want to preface this next story with, I already don't understand the Japanese people. Okay? I just don't. I don't get their love for robots. I don't get their, you know, fear of the, giant dinosaurs coming out. From fear the sea. of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I don't or giant moths. Yes, I. I mm-hmm. their whole sexual thing with robots and not real people mm-hmm. is just weird. So I don't understand them. But that is nothing compared to this heartwarming story. Megumi was a baby when her parents separated and her father disappeared from her life. But years later, her mother told her, uh, she told her mother that she wanted to reconnect with her dad. Mugubi began to see Yamada regularly. She thinks Yamada is her father and that Yamada is his real name. But this is a lie. Mom says ever since she was a little kid, she'd ask me where dad was. All she knew that he had gone uh, soon after she was born. So she blamed herself. For years, it didn't appear to be a problem, but when Megumi was about 10, Asako noticed a change in her daughter's behavior. She didn't talk to me, and she became very quiet and withdrawn. It took a while, however, to find out about the bullying. Asako discovered that Megumi was not only blaming herself for her parents' breakup, her classmates were also ostracizing her because she didn't have a dad. Children of single parents often stigmatized in Japan. Eventually, she became so unhappy that she refused to go to school. She's my only child, Saka said, and it was breaking my heart to see her so sad. She tried to get the teachers at the school to help, but then, uh, when f- uh, failing one after another, another idea came to mind. All I could think about is, what if I could find a man who is nice and kind, an ideal father, someone who would make her feel better? She heard about a relative rental agency (laughs) that would send an actor to play a guest at a wedding or go on a date. They are well established in Japan. Okay, I don't think that's a relative rental agency. I think that's an escort service. 
that's like the real idea of an escort service not yes. the one in america it's kind of means something else usually but it doesn't seem i i would bet in japan it doesn't it's probably just legitimately you're renting a relative that's nice to you at family dinners yeah it could be i mean they have this aversion to sex so yeah. maybe um so she contacted one of these actors and asked if they could, or one of these acting agencies and asked if they could provide a fake dad after auditioning five hopefuls, she settled on a man called Takashuti or something. I found him, have found him easy to talk to. He was very kind and sweet, so I just followed my instincts. Well, he runs the global or the rental agency with about 20 staff and more than a thousand freelancers, men and women of different ages and background who can cater to almost any situation, taking on fake names, personalities, and roles. They often have to lie. Uh, but they're very strict about not breaking the law. As an actor himself, he's played boyfriends, businessmen, friends, fathers. He's been a bridegroom at five fake weddings. He prepared. Let me say that one again. <laughs> he's been a bridegroom at five fake weddings. So Hold is he on. a fake bridesgroom or is he a f- at a fake wedding? Is he no, a real he bridesgroom at a fake wedding? He's been a bridesgroom at five fake weddings. So he's a real bridesgroom at a fake wedding. How does that work? Oh, I think he's more of a fake bridesgroom at a real wedding. But that the way they word that, I think it's the opposite. No, I think they're fake weddings. A fake wedding, but a real bridesgroom? No, I think he's playing a bridesgroom at a fake wedding. What is so a fake, fake wedding? I don't know what a fake wedding. That's why when I read that, it just kind of spilled out of my mouth. And then, uh, then, <laughs> then the gears dropped in and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's a fake wedding? <laughs> okay. Again, I cannot explain this story or the Japanese people. He prepares for his roles, he confesses, by watching Hollywood movies like Little Miss Sunshine, the Oscar-winning film about a dysfunctional family bonding on a road trip. That's a classic, by the way. That's so funny. And The Descendants, in which George Clooney plays an indifferent parent who suddenly has to embrace fatherhood after a family tragedy. I study these films, and I memorize phrases and lines. I take notes on how different family members interact and communicate and what it takes to be a certain kind of father or husband, and they help me understand different family dynamics and relationships. Asako met him several times to talk about the kind of father she wanted him to play to her daughter. My requests were very simple. Firstly, I just wanted to say how sorry he was he couldn't be in Megumi's life until then. Secondly, I wanted him to listen to whatever she wanted to tell him. Asako then told Megumi that her father had remarried and now had a new family. But he had recently been back in touch because he wanted to see them again. He was working, she said, as an actor. Megumi was shocked, but eventually agreed to meet him. And so nearly 10 years ago, Toshaki became Yamata, Megumi's father. His longest running and perhaps most ethically dubious role to date <laughs> the shock he still remembers their first meeting it was a very complex emotion uh, that he was there she asked me why i hadn't come to see her before and i felt her resentment as yamada he began seeing megumi and her mother a couple of times a month joining them on days out trips to the movies visiting for birthdays and Asako said it didn't take long to see a real change in her daughter. After a while, Megumi became much happier and much more outgoing. She loved to talk. She was lively. She even wanted to go back to school. And that's when I thought, this is all worth it. One particular occasion sticks out in Asako's mind. 
when she and Yamada were at Megumi's school parents' day. We were standing in the back of the classroom. She saw us together and kept on turning around to look at us. She had the biggest smile on her face, and that made me really happy. Now, the services aren't cheap. Every time Asako hires him to play Yamada, she pays about 10,000 yen. That's about $90. And although she earns a decent salary, she has to make savings elsewhere to afford it. But she remembers how unhappy her daughter once was, and she thinks it's money well spent. The fake father also sees a difference. Gradually, she's become happier and more confident. I used to meet with her, uh, used to meet her with Asako, the three of us together. But one day she said, I want to go out with my dad, just the two of us. So I took her out and we held hands for the first time. There's more <laughs> to this story. I feel like we hit both sides of the family dynamic in this one, both extremes. Okay. All right. Welcome to Pat Gray uh, from Pat Gray on uh, Unleashed. I love that show. I do too. I appeared on that show today, and I didn't, didn't like that segment. <laughs> no, all that much, no, but we were we were attributing. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, we were right, we were right. we were doing a tribute to yes, your painting ability. I know. I know. So anyway, we were so we were just telling this story, uh, Pat, about this this mother, and I would love to hear your opinion on this. This mother whose daughter was going through depression because she didn't have a dad and. You know, she blamed herself for mom and dad's breakup, blah, blah, blah. And instead of, I don't know, therapy and uh, telling your daughter, no, honey, that's it had nothing to do with you. Um, she decided to rent an actor to play the dad. And uh, it went on for about 10 years. And the uh, the girl has grown up thinking this is my dad and she loves her dad. OK, wow. Now. Uh, she asked, we left the story with her saying, I just want some dad time. And they left holding hands. Well, now this caused some problems with Yusako because she, the mother, she had to face the bittersweet reality that she was in love with the dad. And uh, she said, I told him how I felt, but he told me to my face that I'm only here because it's my job. So now I have oh, to realize boy. that he doesn't love us. He is only here because he's getting paid. I sort of fantasize about our relationship that maybe we can be a real family, but the relationship is, you know, as it is, helps me emotionally and mentally well. It, it keeps me stable, says mom. Okay. Sounds stable. <laughs> she does, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, she's she's going further and further in debt because she's renting this dad uh, more and more often. And her her daughter still thinks of him as a father. Now, this is now going on for about 15 years. Wow. She says the (laughs) ideal situation is that she continues to think of him as her dad. So when she gets married, I like him to be at the wedding ceremony. And when she has her own child, I'd like him to act as a grandfather. Mm. The worst case scenario is that my daughter finds out. Now, I don't know how you could possibly find out if I'm reading about it here in America. I'm sure you've got a good you have a good handle on keeping secrets, mom. 
If Megumi's real father were ever to turn up, the reporter asked. Well, Asako, the mother, said, Oh, I've never even thought of that. <laughs> okay. She then says, "If But if he did walk through the door one day, I think Megumi would choose Yamada over her real dad because they have such a good father-daughter relationship. He really is her ideal father, just what Asako hoped he would be. Except he's not real. Um, now, the guy who's playing the dad says, yeah, the lie is really growing here. 15 years later. This is one of the biggest issues with renting a family. Makumi could get married in the future, and then her husband would think I'm the father. And then if she has a child, I'm the grandfather. And the stakes just get bigger and bigger. He has thought about how Makumi might feel. How if she found out, though, the plot lines he envisions might strike many as highly optimistic. The best case scenario, I'd like to think that she might thank me for taking care of her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's likely. (laughs) That's That's 80% of my imagination. (laughs) The under the other 20% thinks she's going to be really devastated. She might say. Why did you do this? Why? How could you keep lying to me my whole life? I think I've been a big support in her life. Maybe asking her to thank me is a bit excessive, but I'd like her to at least recognize my service. Many might find it hard to understand why Asako has chosen to do something which could be so distressing for her daughter if she discovers the truth. Yet she stands by her decision. I know some people will think I'm foolish to pay money to lie to my own daughter to pretend to have a father, but I was really desperate. Anyone can understand that horrible feeling of desperation to see your child so hurt. Mm, Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. How much money is it going to take for you, Mom, to get out of this hole? Mm. That is the weirdest story of... A mother-father relationship <laughs> that I have ever heard in my life. So how old is, is it Megumi? Is, Megumi. How old is she now? In her 20s? She's got to be 20 Yeah, she's something. in her 20s. I mean, it doesn't say and they're still, they're still doing it? They're still perpetrating the hoax? Yeah. And by yeah. the way, we don't believe Megumi is wow. the real name. So uh, oh. that's why. You, cause that's right, Megumi. <laughs> this is a complete. If you're a Megumi and your mother is a Sako, it's not you. Right. There's some Megumi Asako combination who's <laughs> right. questioning their entire life today. And Yamada. And Yamada. <laughs> that is a, quite a coincidence, I know. But Japan's a very big place. <laughs> what a bizarre! Oh my gosh! Bizarre is, story. Is there really any chance? I really want to follow this family. Is there any chance that that doesn't end in foul play, never talking to each other again, suicide of one of the three? I feel like in Japan there is a chance. Like I think she could be like, you know what? Uh, that was a really nice thing my mom did. Mm-hmm. She spent a lot of money on that. Yeah, I'm glad she lied to me my whole life. Yeah, it was great. And paid a guy to be my dad who wasn't my dad. Seems that was possible. Really, that was great. Well, that seems, had a good time that with That seems possible, but it also, in Japan, seems just as possible that Asako may say at one point, I know, I, 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 I know. I, uh, <laughs> Very possible Mom, as well. you were a robot the whole time? <laughs> there are a lot of strange things going on in our culture. 
no. right now. Have you noticed this at all? No, I haven't. That at all? I, I haven't noticed that. Hmm. Do you remember the, the drag queen uh, children's story hour yeah. that was happening? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where they invite drag queens You're in. not going to preach your hate, are you? No, 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 no. This is a wonderful story of, oh, good. of love and okay. appreciation. Right. Um, some drag queens would be invited into this library and would uh, read stories to kids mm-hmm. in their drag queen getup, uh, which it, it looks a little frightening for children, but, I mean, white face and then a series of five horns all over <laughs> the head of the mm-hmm. drag queen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this person reads stories to the kids. So... Some parents took issue with it, and they were haters, obviously. Uh, they clearly they mongering were. in hatred. Because all this person was trying to do. Well, it just did. Just read, come a story. In and read stories to the kids. That's all it's about. Right. Uh, the kids, the, the parents said, well, what about, are you like indoctrinating our kids? That, oh, my gosh. Listen to these uh, haters. Of course not. Of course not. Right. Well, now, amid all of that controversy, um, one drag queen has admitted that the events are are meant to groom the next generation. Huh. Uh, Dylan Pontiff, who is one of the drag queens, says this is going to be the grooming of the next generation. We're trying to groom the next generation to be accepting of LGBTQQIA2 values. (laughs) (laughs) Just read that sentence again for me, please. That's so great. We're trying to groom the next generation to be accepting of the LGBTQQIA2 values. (laughs) Plata was dressed, dressed in street clothes for this meeting, but goes by Santana Pilar on Andrews when he's on stage. Oh. He said that he's been bullied most of his life for being gay, and he blasted those who opposed the drag queen story hour. Um, even those gathered at a city council meeting in Lafayette, Louisiana, who complained about it uh, because they were haters. However, now uh, LGBTQ, QQIA2 activists have said that they're determined to indoctrinate children to accept the movement's agenda. Could I, could I, could I ask you just mm-hmm. real quickly to, uh, for those who don't know, I know, and I know you know, could you just tell me what each of those go letters, through the letters? Yeah. Well, the L. Yeah. Lesbian. Of course. Gay. Yes. Bisexual. Yes. Trans. Yes. Q is queer. Then the next Q is queer. Questioning. questioning good then good. the i is intersex Mm-mm. which means which means you, you kind of escape between both i believe you're like you can go you're either fluid. way you're fluid all right and so why then, isn't that f instead of i i don't know okay um i a then the last a is asexual you don't have mm-hmm. any sex with mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. and then the two is two spirit you got two spirit mm-hmm. people you got two inside of you you're both male and female inside and, and I and okay, I think we that be called when you have two spirits. Oh no! Don't you do it! Don't you do it! You hateful jerk! <laughs> don't you dare! Really? I I can't even question. I can't. Uh, no! Oh my! Look are, what happened to Megan Kelly when Wait, she questioned. One of the cues for questioning. Oh, I'm not just your kind of questioning. Not hateful questioning. questioning. No, I just wanted. Is this to, a loving question? Where are you're you, accepting and tolerant? Will it end in love? Well, I think everything ends in love. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I am as optimistic uh, and as well-grounded in my optim- uh, optimism as uh, Asako is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, by the way, I, I believe we're all on the bandwagon of quilt bag. Yes, um, I, I think that's a much better should, acronym. Yeah, it's a little easier to pronounce than LGBTQIA2. 
it sort of feels <laughs> like an insult, um, but it's not. It's not. It's actually the, and the, they seem to like it. Yeah, quilt. And, and I think it, first of all, you have to make it the sequel, Quilt Bag Two. And I think for all the things we haven't covered yet, you, if you do Quilt Bag Two, Electric Boogaloo, you're going to cover a bunch of different things we haven't Are necessarily uncovered now? yet. Are you mocking now? So, I'm no. I think Quilt I, Bag I Two, not. Electric Boogaloo, is the best way to go. You okay. can open up that quilt bag and put a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> right. Yeah, all sorts of things. Mean, yeah. Uh, but I like how open they are about it because uh, this uh, transgender person says, I'm here to tell you, all all that time that I said I wasn't indoctrinating anyone with my beliefs about gay and lesbian and bi and trans and queer people, that was a lie. Uh, I have come to indoctrinate your children into my LGBTQQIA2 agenda, and I'm not a bit sorry. Um, all 25 years of my career... As an activist, since the first, very first time as a 16-year-old, I went and stood shaking and breathless in front of 11 people to talk about my story. I've been on a consistent campaign of trying to change people's minds about us. I want to make them like us. That's absolutely my goal. I want to make your children, um, the your children like me and my family, even if that goes against the way you've interpreted the teacher, te- teachings of your religion. So there it is. They're, they're, you know, the mask is coming off. Not this mask. Right. The, uh, <laughs> no, not with horns. Right. No, no that not that one. That stay. one stays. Right. It's a handsome mask. <laughs> okay. And you don't want to mess it's with that. It's a handsome mask. Or beautiful, whichever right. you, you want to go by. Right. Um, You're still questioning which one. Yes, I'm questioning. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, but the the mask of uh, the secrecy of indoctrination, they just uh-huh. don't care anymore. Like right. You, like you said years ago, the yeah. socialists are just going to say, yeah, we're socialists. Why? It's because mm. capitalism doesn't work. Well, they're indoctrinating your children because they want them to to accept their lifestyle in the future so yeah we're indoctrinating them so what so let me ask you this let me ask you this i don't i don't really care about i mean you want to dress up and you want to do whatever and yeah right that's that's your deal and i don't want my kids to hate anybody i don't want my kids to i just want my kids to i mean i really got to remember i grew up with spock my dad was Spock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so he just loved how everybody manifests the spirit in their own way. And uh, and, and it's a good thing in, in, to some degree. Um, you know, unless people are manifesting the spirit by stealing your car. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want I don't want anybody. I don't want my kids to hate anybody. So it's really this is really hard because the way that story is written. I just want people to like me. Yeah, that, I do. Yeah, too. But the, the problem comes in. I don't care uh, what you believe in your religion. Yes. Well, no, because no, that that's means... not for you to decide right. with my children. Right. That's not for you to... And these are five and six-year-old kids. Four, and, five, and six. And you also, at the time, when you are saying that, that shows you don't have any respect for me. Right. That's the exactly. real problem here. Yes. More on trivia, by the way, tomorrow. Oh. On Packer Unleashed. What's the game? Uh, the game is Minnesota, New England. Oh, that's a big one. Big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Pat, you have uh, you have Liberty Safe. You keep man stuff in your safe, right? I do. Yeah. Guns. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be open to other ideas. You know, maybe maybe no. other other cultures, maybe some LGBT quilt bag to electric boogaloo ideas are right. okay, like, too. What, like, what would you keep in your, 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 your big manly safe? Maybe some your wife's expensive purses, <laughs> right? So you're taking care of that quilt bag. Could stuff, you just right? can I? Could you provide it's a good. picture of the inside of your safe? I'll show you the inside of my safe. 
and you show me the inside of your safe, I bet they they look radically different. (laughs) I would say they probably do. Yeah, can we do that? Can we share pictures of our inside of our safes? Because uh, I'm fascinated (laughs) to see, and you'll be fascinated to see mine. You'll be fascinated to see the purses all up nicely on a shelf. Uh, anyway, Liberty Safe right now, number one safe manufacturer in the nation, uh, and you're not going to believe the price. Uh, they're they're priced uh, to be able to be affordable, and you also can have, uh, um, you know, uh, what do you call it when you can get a a loan thing. <laughs> 12, 12 months interest-free financing. That's what it is. You're good at this. Yes, I am very good. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for over 40 years. So uh, check out their special deals. Isn't that crazy? LibertySafe.com. Nobody's caught me yet. LibertySafe.com. Invest in safety for your guns and for the things that are precious to you, even your purses, at LibertySafe.com. John Ray Davies is going to be on with us. I love this guy. He came out. We did a documentary with us, which uh, with him, which I think is uh, is airing on the Blaze Friday. Yeah, Friday at five p.m. Uh, Eastern. He's a, he's just an amazing guy. He's the guy who played Gimli in uh, Lord of the Rings, and uh, he's an Indiana Jones though too. Let's let's point that out. Yeah, he was Indy. You know, I wanted horses, not camels, or what was it? Uh, <laughs> no camels, not five camels. Yeah, that's right. So uh, anyway, so it's. He's a great guy. He's going to be on with us. Also, Mike Rowe and his mother are going to be on with us. That's going to be fun. On today's uh, program. And Mike Lee. He's got a few things to uh, to discuss uh, on what's going on in Washington, D.C. We'll talk to Mike Lee, Mike Rowe, his mother, and John Ray's Davis, uh, Davies next. Uh, first, talking about home title lock, Glenn. Uh, home title lock is something we both joined a while ago now. Um, to make sure our home title was protected. Yeah, because I had an FBI guy come in and uh, say, uh, here's the title of your home, uh, and you'll see that it's in uh, my name, not yours. And we were like, wait, what? And it was signed by a notary, uh, and it was all official. Yeah. And he's like, all I have to do now is sign it and uh, bring it down to the county clerk and file it, and your house is mine. Wait, what? And it, it took him all of about $40 to do. It's crazy how easy this is. And the FBI says this is the fastest growing crime uh, out there right now because people want your home. They want the equity in your home. And before you know it, you don't have a home and you've got a big fat bill and your whole life is upside down. It really is amazing. Uh, Home Title Lock is the place to go. They have a free title scan to see if your home has already been compromised. $100 value, free with sign up. Go there now. Uh, Visit HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Glenn Beck. It is fascinating to watch the hypocrisy of what is going on in the mainstream media. Very frustrating, but ridiculously fascinating to watch. I can't really wrap my brain around how they the, how they get away with calling everybody that doesn't agree with them a racist or a bigot, a chauvinist or an anti-Semite, while at the same time saying racist, bigoted, chauvinistic and anti-Semitic things. They'll go on CNN or even write in the New York Times claiming that all white men are evil, but somehow that's not bigoted and racist. They'll take pictures with and defend Louis Farrakhan. They'll stand with Hamas, and yet that's not anti-Semitic. Let me give you a case in point yesterday. Yesterday was the UN's International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people, and a CNN commentator was invited to speak. This is a CNN employee. 
Mark Lamont Hill. Listen. Contrary to Western mythology, black resistance to American apartheid did not come purely through Gandhian nonviolence. Rather, slave revolts and self-defense and tactics otherwise divergent from Dr. King or Mahatma Gandhi were equally important to preserving safety and attaining freedom. We must allow, if we are to operate in true, in true solidarity with Palestinian people, we must allow the, the Palestinian people the same range of opportunity and political possibility. So are you hearing what he's saying? First of all, the disdain in his voice when he says Martin Luther King or Gandhi. The non-MLK and Gandhi range of possibility. L- let's be clear. He's saying violence. You just heard someone from CNN actually advocate for attacks against Israel. And you know who's leading the Palestinian resistance? Because I, 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 I'm, I, it's a sure bet that Lamont Hill knows. Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Terror organizations that get their funding, weapons, and even their directions from Iran. They want all of the Jews dead all over the world. They want Israel destroyed. Now, knowing that, listen to this next part. To commit to political action, grassroots action, local action, and international action that will give us what justice requires. And that is a free Palestine from the river to the sea. From the river to the sea. That means from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea also known as the destruction of Israel. Here is a CNN employee calling for terrorists to attack Jews and saying, yeah, we've got a final solution, the eventual destruction of Israel. Is it not anti-Semitic to call for terrorists to kill Jews and the annihilation of their country? CNN, I would love to hear you comment on this or at least explain, because if a conservative commentator on your network said anything even remotely similar that was counter to the left leaning agenda, they would be fired in a heartbeat. This is your employee speaking from a written text calling for violence. Now, I don't expect CNN or anybody else from the left to actually criticize Mark Lamont Hill for any of this. They're just going to mask his blatantly anti-Semitic and racist talk. Mark my words, they will actually call him brave. When did hypocrisy become something you didn't hide from and avoid? When did it become something that you embrace and wear as a badge of honor? As I said before, I guess the best way to look at this is just utterly fascinating. It's Thursday, November 29th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. John Reese davies uh, is a guy that you absolutely know and love. You love all of the characters he has ever played. Uh, from Indiana Jones um, to Lord of the Rings, where he was uh, Gimli. He is just great, and you've heard him do a ton of documentaries. He did one for us. He's the narrator of I Am Israel, 
uh, IamIsraelFilm.com, and we are uh, airing that again on Friday on the uh, Blaze Network. We we welcome John Reese davies to the program. How are you, John? Very well, Glenn. And yourself? I'm, I'm good. I'm a little confused by everything that's going on uh, in today's world. But... You're not alone in that. You're yeah. not alone in that. The, uh, over here, we have, we have a, a, an additional set of problems. We have a, a government that was elected to ga- regain our independence that has managed to do a deal that would probably have been rejected by the French after they collapsed in 1870. Uh, I mean, no sovereign nation on earth has ever been asked to surrender quite as much of their liberty to leave an organization as as Britain has. But what, what, John, what do you have to for Americans have been so, uh, you know, concentrating on what we're doing and it, we, it's a mess. But if you're not following it every day, what is exa- what is this deal look like for Brexit? Well, it, it looks it looks basically as if we will lose any of the advantages that we had by being in Europe, uh, and and but still be bound to it in terms of we cannot leave the customs union, we cannot leave the uh, the, the the we cannot make trade treaties with other people without the consent of the eu why would why would anyone sign that (laughs) (laughs) well we've we've got a big scare thing going on now everyone is saying oh my god you realize well i mean at the end of march where we're going to fall off the cliff you realize the disruption the chaos we'd have 15 the bank of england says that there's 15 years of chaos coming up ahead um, any economic forecast that goes 15 years ahead has got to have some element of error in it. Can you predict to me what your bank account will be in 15 years? <laughs> no. um, I can't. I mean, it, it's, it's nonsense. But there is the possibility that the, the extent of the nonsense will, will confound um, the actual Brexit moment itself. And, and, and then I think we're into a very different world because it was the democratic will of the people that we should leave the EU. Mm-hmm. And, and once again, if an elite blocks the wishes of the people uh, by subterfuge or, or, or cunning or ignoring or disdaining or then that elite will ultimately find themselves in a very uncomfortable situation. I, I find this fascinating that people are saying that, you know, people who want to leave the EU or standing up against the the immigration thing, which now our own Hillary Clinton was over in Europe saying, oh, you know, that was a real big mistake. Oh, you think so, Hillary? Um, but anybody who is standing up, they're immediately called bigot and racist and everything else instead of saying, wait a minute, here's a group of people that are tired of being told that there's nothing unique about their culture. They're, they can't recognize their culture. They have to live in service of everyone else's culture. You know, if you if you fly the British flag or the Swedish flag now, you know, you're called a racist. You have to you you're you can't have any pride in your country. And there's a difference between a European nationalist and somebody who is just proud of their country. 
Well, you're quite right, of course. But but there is a <clears throat> there, there's a great strain of a sort of sort of some mutant virus in Western European and and, and your part of that civilization, uh, which actually despises it. Uh, diminishes it, believes that all history is bad wherever we we occupy. I mean, just the abolition of slavery alone is one of the glories of civilization and of mankind. Um, and it 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 wasn't it 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 wasn't a, a Chinese abolition. It wasn't a a, a Muslim or Arab ab- abolition. It was British and Western European. Christian civilization that got rid of it. Uh, you know, we have a, we, all of us have a checkered history in terms of, uh, of national identity and things like this. But on the whole, I'd sooner be in a Western European uh, Christianized world than in oh, yeah. any other civilization that's going at right at the moment. I mean, uh, would you really want to live in China uh, or, or, or Saudi Arabia or anywhere? Uh, other than you know a, a few countries in Europe and and and, and North America, how are you oh. um, uh, how are you feeling about um, you know the uh, um, Asia Bibi who is has asked the United Kingdom for uh, refugee status? Here's a woman who's going to be killed, her children are going to be killed because she's a Catholic and she will not conform. You know, even the Pope is offering her. Uh, a place to live. She's going to be beheaded and killed and dragged through the streets of Pakistan if she doesn't get out of there soon. What? 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 It's a. It's an absolute disgrace, isn't it? Um, you know, we are we are constantly asked to accept refugees from war zones and things like that. And some of them are genuine refugees, but many are just simply smart economic migrants that want to do better for themselves. But once somebody is actually being persecuted. Um, and they happen to, you know, be Catholic or Christian or anything like that, well, we can turn our backs on them. Somehow, somehow they represent, well, not terribly important people. I mean, like Khashoggi now clearly was terribly important, but this poor woman, not, not important, not important. John, you're, um, you're, um, you've narrated a, a film, I Am Israel, and it's in 4K, and it, 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 it really shows the inspirational story of uh, of Israel and the Holy Land, um, like people have never seen it before. Where does your where does your your courage to do things like this come from? <laughs> I am the least courageous man you know. I mean, there are country there there are com- there are countries financing films at the moment that I I I I, I have to bite my tongue not. Uh, not to speak up, but uh, when it's uh, friends, money, and things like that, you have to be quiet sometimes. But in truth, in truth, there, there are there are certain fundamental things that we should believe in: the right of freedom of speech, the right to exist, for God's sake, in some places. Uh, Israel, I- I- Israel is is. A historical obligation that anyone who belongs to Western European Christian civilization or is a beneficiary must acknowledge, must be preserved. Uh, it, it would be, I, you know, that, that you, 
most of the good things that we have, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, these things have their germ in 2nd century A.D. Christians in Rome saying, I don't believe that the emperor should have to make, can, can make a choice of me for me, whom I would worship. And our whole tradition of, of freedom of speech, freedom of association, right to vote, and all these things, they basically stem from that idea, along with a few other ideas as well. But, you know, we have an obligation to... to uh, to remember our past and remember its inception and 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 honor it, and Israel, that curious people, um, with their balmy, extraordinarily magical uh, relationship with their God, is is we are indebted to them, and um, and we must not allow that to be. To, to be lost. Uh, we're talking to John Reese uh, Davies. Uh, John, I don't know if you have time. I, I, I'd like to hold you for just for a couple of minutes. I have to do a commercial break. But I, I was doing some research on something, and I stumbled across a, a, a film that you did, a, a narration of something that you did. And it is something I've never even heard of. I don't even know if you remember doing this. It, you did it in 2002, or it was released in 2002. And it's about... Uh, the Mountain of Moses in Saudi Arabia. Do you remember that? That's right, yes. Can, can, can you hold to talk about that for just a second? I, I can certainly hold. Okay. I'm okay. going to have to scratch my memory a little bit. Okay. Go on. All right. Okay. We'll, we'll be right right back. Uh, John Reese davies uh, I am and that film is going to be playing on The Blaze on Friday, and it's, it's great. And this... John, he might say he's the least brave man I know. I don't think so. I know a lot of people that are definitely not. <laughs> he's definitely brave. not. He's very brave and, and a really nice guy. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor. Uh, sponsor is Goldline. Why gold? Why gold? Well, have you really been paying attention to the stock market? What is coming? How we are now uh, looking at uh, the White House is now trying to pressure the Fed to lower interest rates we're seeing that jobs like gm going down the trade war with china what what what's what are, are we more stable or less stable with the democrats coming in and the impeachment you know that they're going to be pushing for is that going to make us more stable or less stable in times of political and economic uncertainty the world has always rushed to gold. I do not buy it as an investment. I buy it as insurance against insanity. Please call Goldline. Visit Goldline right now at 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Read their important risk information and find out if gold or silver is you. But I highly recommend. With The, the leaves are changing. The seasons are changing. Find out if gold or silver is right for you. Do it now at goldline.com, 1-866-GOLDLINE. John Reese davies is uh, with us. Uh, he is uh, a voice you will automatically uh, recognize and an actor that you would automatically recognize. Even if you don't think you know the name, uh, you certainly know his roles in Indiana Jones all the way to the Lord of the Rings. Um, he's a distinguished actor uh and uh, despite what he says i i believe a very brave man um john 
Um, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yes, I, I can't see someone pinning the VC for politically incorrect valor on my chest. I, <laughs> no, you're not going to get any awards or anything. But, uh, you, you know, it does take courage to stand up and say some of the things that you have said. Even just being on this program, what you've said on this program takes guts for a man in, in your position. And I appreciate that. It doesn't take it's strange. It doesn't take a lot to be called a man of courage uh, in today's world. Um, that is disgraceful, isn't it? It is. It's a disgrace. Um, so, John, I was doing some research on something, and I came across uh, a video that you narrated. I, I doubt you remember very much of it, and or if you even saw it. I know you were the narrator of it. But it was about the actual Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. And these two guys that went over to Saudi Arabia, because I think the fifth guy that walked on the moon, uh, he found out about it and said, you have to go there, but it's under guard. And what they found was astonishing. Do you remember this? Only little bits of it, but you're doing very well. Go on, go on. <laughs> so they, they, I, I just wondered if you, if you remembered any of this, because I had never heard of it. And it is it's fascinating. They, they went in in the cover of darkness. They stayed for several days, um, and they took pictures of it. They found an altar that they believe is the altar where the, the golden calf was made, and it has ancient markings of a golden calf on it. Uh, they went up to the top of the mountain, and it is singed rock. It's black rock, but, but granite inside the rock. It's not lava. It, they found all of these things that are directly talked about in the Bible, and this entire mountain is surrounded by high security fences and guards. And I, I, just, I, I just found that amazing, and I didn't know if you had anything to share on that. I have nothing new to add. Yeah. Uh, but the, the geography of the ancient world is, 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 uh, is coming to life more and more as we, we find different ways of, of examining the past. Um, yeah. uh, it would not surprise me. The, yeah. you know, the, these, these were nomadic herding people, and they probably traveled vast distances mm-hmm. in that time. So, John, one last quick question before we let you go. Uh, I asked you this when you were here. Uh, could you just hold on and get your – I want to get your agency phone number because I would love for you to be the voice of this show if you would ever consider that. Would you consider that? I would love to. I would be flattered, my dear. Friend. Oh, that would be great. Okay, hold on. I want to get your information of how to contact the people that need to be contacted. But we just so respect you and admire you, and I love – I just want you to come over to my house and read stories to me. I love your voice. God bless, John. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. So there's a few things that are going on in the news. First of all, Michael Cohen uh, has uh, just taken a new plea deal. He pleaded guilty to trying to get a to lying about trying to get the Trump Tower built in Moscow during the election. Uh, I don't think this is going to mean much. Do you think, Stu? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I think if these developments are going to coming fast and furious right now, um, and uh, they can kind of continue to pour out without all that much perspective. We don't really know that all that much about where they're going with it. They don't, you know, what it means in the in the bigger picture. It's a giant puzzle, and we keep getting three or four pieces. It's mm-hmm. tough to put it together, and that's why we've, generally speaking, 
just decided to to not continually speculate about it like everybody else. No, you know, I'm watching I'm, I'm watching CNN and uh, and Fox News and everybody is speculating. I'm like, what are you speculating on? We don't know anything. We have no idea when the thing comes out, then we can talk about it. But right yeah. now it's just just speculation. Um, we have Mike Rowe and Peggy, his mother, on with us in about an hour from now. Also, Mike Lee is going to be on because he's actually he's actually in a way siding with the president. He's, he's siding with the Constitution. Um, but there is a new bill that is being circulated about uh, protecting the job of uh, Mueller. And Mike says this is unconstitutional. I want you to listen to this clip. Here's Mike Lee. Sorry, do we do we have it? I'm sorry, sir. I thought reasons we... articulated by Justice Scalia in his classic opinion in Morris v. Morrison v. Olson. The prosecutorial authority of the United States belongs in the Department of Justice. The, the Department of Justice answers to the President of the United States. Its yeah. principal officers consist of people appointed by the President, serving at the pleasure of the President after being confirmed by the United States Senate. This is a fundamental component of our liberty. The separation of powers protect us. It doesn't mean we're going to agree with what every president in every administration always does. But as Justice Scalia explains, we cannot convert an office like this one, an office like the previously existing Office of Independent Counsel, without creating a de facto fourth branch of government, mm. fundamentally undermining the principle of separation of powers that is so core to our liberty. And on that basis, Madam President, I object. Objection is heard. It's quite amazing. Um, Mike Lee is is just very well thought out yeah. and very consistent. This is a time where he's siding with the president, but it's not really about the president. It is it is truly about you, we have to separate our powers and keep them separate. Now, at the same time, I think it would be stupid of the president to fire Mueller. I don't think that would end well. I, I, I agree with that. And, I, and to be honest about it i think like there's a part of me that says the bill isn't a bad idea the whole fire muller it would basically protect muller from being fired by trump and the reason why i don't think it's that bad of an idea is uh, first of all like if you go back to the clinton uh, administration if, if a republican congress put up a bill that said uh, bill clinton can't fire kenneth Starr in the middle of the investigation i think we all would have been like yeah that sounds pretty rational right like that seems like a reasonable idea you can't fire the person investigating uh or, and they're not even investigating trump per se but he's involved and it certainly um is investigating people around him uh so you would say that seems rational um and i also think it helps trump in a way because he's always asked about, are you going to fire Mueller? It's like constantly around him, swirling around him. And I don't think he has any intent on firing Mueller. I think he, it would be a political problem for him anyway. And in reality, he's right. going to be able to go at right. the end of this and say, look, this is why this was biased. Here's what I think. I mean, he's going to make those arguments anyway and win with his audience, I think, anyway. There's, so, go ahead. So I, but I, Mike Lee actually convinced me uh, on that. I, I hadn't thought I hadn't thought about I thought about it more as a, as it affected whether it's a good idea or whether it's rational or whether it's a good move. But you got to look at the Constitution first, and that's what Mike does so well. He doesn't think about what the political ramifications are of a specific thing. He says, this is a constitutional argument, and the, there's a separation of powers for a reason, and we have in our system the right for the president to fire this person, and that can't be overwhelmed by Congress, because then you're saying Congress 
it's, it's more over, powerful right, than the like president. We're supposed to have a, a, a check and balance. Here. All right. So uh, there's another story uh, that we're watching that we find fascinating. Incredible. If you if you haven't read this yet, it's it's disturbing. It's a disturbing read and it's a long read. But the Miami Herald has done an investigation into uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, now, if I were to say to you that name or Jeffrey Epstein, is it Jeffrey Epstein? Mm-hmm. I get that confused. I don't remember. Um, but when I said that name, there's a there's another name that immediately pops into my head when I say it. For you? Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. That's exactly it. Because there was a big... T- if you remember this, there was a lot of reporting on it, bits and pieces at the time, where this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, hedge fund guy, really rich guy, um, took people like Bill Clinton in his private jet to all sorts of uh, places around the world. Including one island that he owned that mm-hmm. was uh, uh, believed to have sex slaves. Sex slaves. Um, and and they called his... Uh, an underage sex slaves, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, and on the plane, they called it the Lolita Express was what the media kind of picked it up. And as. Bill Clinton was good friends and yep. really close. Uh, the guy was very close, very tied into politics in general. Um, and so it was amazing when that popped out to see the headline from the Miami Herald. This is separate from the story, and there's amazing reporting in it. The headline, however, is how a future Trump cabinet member gave serial sex abuser the deal of a lifetime. So, again, the obsession with Trump continues here. Now, Trump is... He also was on this plane. Um, he also was friendly with this guy who's a very powerful guy in the community. It does not condemn Bill Clinton that he slept with minor with minors, and it does not condemn Donald Trump that he slept with minors. There's no evidence of that at all. Um, but they were all, he, this guy was a big money guy. He was very friendly with people in the community. He lived in Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the girls who was abducted worked at Mar-a-Lago. One of the women who was actually abused, that's revealed in the story, I think for the first time, Wow, um, was actually at, was actually approached at Mar-a-Lago to do this. this the way it happened is insane, though. He, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, had a, he has multiple mansions and he has a private island, but the, multi, the mansion he has in Palm Beach, he, would, uh, he went out and was able to recruit 16, 15, 14-year-old, 13-year-old girls from local high schools and middle schools in the area. And the way it would work is he got, at the beginning there was only one, brought in one, and it was somehow he convinced her to give him a massage for $200. Um, now the massage, some would, I don't think the first one didn't even turn sexual, but it started to escalate. And when he would get bored of the girl, which a lot of times was after the first or second interaction, he would offer them more money to, first of all, get more sexual and do more sexual things with, other, with these underage girls. And some of them he had sex with. Some of them he did all sorts of crazy, uh, you know, twisted sort of stuff with. Um, but then he would pay them even more to go out and recruit new girls oh my God. from their high schools, from their middle schools, from the mall, from all of these local uh, places where teenagers hang out. He essentially turned it into a underage sex pyramid scheme in which he would reward the girls who were in early to go recruit new girls to come in. They go through, they now have, for the first time, um, a bunch of these women giving interviews about about what happened. And this is not like ancient history. This is the mid-2000s, like 2005 to 2008, something like that. And they would come in, they'd, they'd have sex with him. He had another sex slave that he had apparently imported from uh, the Eastern Bloc, that was hooking up with the girls while he was watching. I mean, there was a lot of t- sort of twisted sexual stuff that went on. Um, and, of course, these, you know, they were all, almost all, uh, targeted in 
communities where uh, and households where they were in need. They were um, uh, disadvantaged people who didn't have money, who were abused. Who, I mean, it was all the typical mm-hmm. sort of horrible stereotypes you'd expect out of the situation. And it was people who would jump at $200 for almost anything. Um, so he was able to just keep paying and paying and paying. And when he, and you think about yourself, it got up to the point of like a hundred different teenagers, a hundred he was able to do this with over a relatively quick period of time. They talk about times where he'd have three of them in, in a day, three in a day. He was, his appetite was, uh, not able to be, uh, satiated. Yeah. So, um, they go through this whole thing. Eventually, as you'd kind of expect, you get a hundred different teenagers in a situation like this. Eventually, one of them talks. The police goes, uh, talks to their parent. The police goes, interviews them, finds out, oh my gosh, what, well, this is this credible? This really rich, you know, important guy here. Uh, did he do this? Well, that one gives them two other names, the people who they recruited and who recruited mm-hmm. them. Anyway... Every time they go to a new girl, there's two or three more names they're getting, and it, the list builds and builds and builds and builds, and eventually gets to like a hundred. So the story is already super twisted at this point. Um, they all have really credible stories. They can describe the insides of the house. They can describe what was in certain drawers, like sex toys, where they were. They go uh, eventually. The police raid the house. They have, I mean, everything. They have names. <laughs> all of the the names are on the flight registry from flying them all around mm. the world. Some of them. Um, they have uh, uh, black books with phone numbers of all these, like, you know, 15, 16 year old girls that came over for massages. Um, you know, now there's been accusations from some of the girls that he would loan them out to other uh, uh, people, all VIPs. That's not necessarily uh, confirmed in here. Um, but they go through all of that uh, sorted stuff. Then what really kind of the Miami Herald, and again, despite the title of it, and this is where they focus some of it. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible piece of reporting. It really is. Um, but they go into talking about the actual investigation. The police tried, did everything they could to try to make this um, this case stick. I mean, the, the people who are actually investigating it really seemed to care and, and did everything they could to make this stick. But political influence, money, um, was able to get him to a position where the the, the the higher ups locally were actually negotiating and ha- having the defense attorneys help write the deal that was being made. Oh now again, gosh. you have you hook up with one fifteen year old and this guy's like fifty. That's you're basically. I mean, in my mind, you're in jail forever. You're you're right? everything like, that people accused uh, Roy Moore of. Right. I mean, it's, it's way worse horrible. than what Roy yeah. Moore was accused of. Horrible. Way worse. Horrible. It's not even remotely close. Of course, right. he did. Donate. No, with one. With one. With one. Yeah. Right. This is hundred. Mm-hmm. So this guy should obviously be in jail for for uh, ever. Life. So the it's the the police locally got started getting wind that this was they were trying to make a deal with this guy. They're like, what? This is crazy. Now, the Trump official was the guy who was the, the local uh, district attorney, or I can't remember, the ex- it's not even that, it's another position, I lost the, the name of it, but it was he was the guy who, who was, had the power to make the deal. And there was a couple people who were uh, power to do it. Uh, the, uh, Acosta is his name, he's the current labor secretary. His defense is, look, the other guy we were dealing with wanted to just make it a misdemeanor and go away. So I got a better mm. deal than that. He had to register as a sex offender. He was c- charged with two counts of felony prostitution, one with an underage, mar- two counts. Two. There's a hundred. Um, so he basically got uh, uh, the, the 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 cops locally were like, we can see what's going on here. So they turned the investigation over to the FBI. 
And the FBI started looking into it, and they found tons of stuff. In the middle of the FBI investigation, they sign a deal where he gets just 13 months, I think it was, in prison. 13 months. And in there is a promise not to prosecute, which I had no idea this was a, a thing. That I didn't even know this could happen. A local official signs a deal not to prosecute, so it cancels the FBI's investigation. They can't do anything because they signed a deal where no one can get prosecuted. Not only can he not get prosecuted, they sealed all the records, and in addition to that, no one else associated with him can get prosecuted uh, over this. So if he did lean, loan them out to other VIPs, they can't get prosecuted. It's unbelievable. He goes to jail, 13, 13 months in jail, they give him a private wing of a prison. Oh, my God. With his own personal security. Oh, my God. And they let him leave and go to the office 12 hours a day. This is his prison term. He leaves and go to his own office for 12 hours a day. And he gets to have lunch outside in the park. This is, uh, I can't remember the name of the character, uh, from Daredevil. This In, in Daredevil, this, this, this Marvel thing on Netflix, the, the chief bad guy, horrible, horrible human being. He's let out by the FBI. He can live in the top floor of this, you know, like Ritz Carlton. Mm. He's living a luxury life. He's got everything back. But, you know, he just he has some strings he can pull. It's unbelievable that it's happening in real life and in America. This is the kind of stuff that people are fleeing their country to get to us because there is no rule of law. We have to have rule of law. Justice is blind. All right, I want to tell you about a great Christmas gift for somebody who has uh, lots of time sitting in an office chair. My wife uh, wants one of these for uh, for Christmas because of her office. It's the X chair. I have one in my office, and it is great. It is great. It, it will support you. There's nothing like sitting in a crappy chair all day. The X chair has a new model, which for a very limited time is only available to this audience. This this is actually created because of this audience. Xchairbeck.com. New model is being introduced first to you before the rest of the world. It's the the X basic. It has the same remarkable dynamic variable lumbar support that makes the X chair so special, plus an incredibly comfortable foam seat. And it, you know, this thing, honestly, I have the other one and it's, it's got so many adjustments on it. I, I, I don't even know how to work some of the parts of this chair because it can adjust like I don't I don't even know how many different ways this has. Um, uh, this has uh, the basic adjustments that are absolutely incredible as it is. But the price is a lot lower. X chair also on sale now for a hundred dollars off. All you have to do is go to xchairbeck.com. That's the letter X chairbeck.com or call 844 X chair. X chair comes with 30 day, no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairbeck.com. Great Christmas gift. X chair beck.com use the promo code beck b-e-c-k you're also going to get a free footrest at xchairbeck.com so the president <laughs> he does <laughs> the president just uh, uh just got under the helicopter uh and um he's going to the g20 summit but he spoke a little bit about michael cohen said that he was a weak person and not very intelligent true uh, but then also seemed to admit that, yes, the Trump Tower in Moscow thing, at least this is the way it sounded, was was true. He said, 
well, it's just because I'm running for president doesn't mean I can't do business. That's not what he Glenn said during the campaign about that Mercury. Trump Tower. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. Glenn Beck. We have... Uh, Mike Rowe and his mom, Peggy, on in about 30 minutes. We have another favorite of ours, another favorite, Mike. Mike Lee, senator from the senior senator from Utah, is on with us now. Hello, Mike. How are you? Doing great. Good to be with you. Thanks. I want to talk to you uh, about a couple of things. And I think one of the reasons why I really like you is because you always look at things through the Constitution. I mean, you, you know, you were a clerk for Supreme Court justices and and you're talking about I want to talk to you about two different bills. One is uh, is about protecting presidential power. Can you tell me about this with Manafort? I'm sorry, Mueller. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the, the Flake Coons legislation is designed to protect Robert Mueller from being fired. There's only one problem with that. It's not constitutional. Justice Scalia pointed out in a great opinion he wrote on a case called Morrison v. Olson that the Department of Justice is part of the executive branch. It's run by an attorney general who's appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate, serves at the pleasure of the president. You can't create a new de facto fourth branch of government within the Department of Justice, one that's completely isolated and insulated from the executive branch's chief executive officer. It's wrong to do that. It's for that reason that Congress allowed the former independent counsel statute to expire. What Coons and Flake are trying to do with this bill would be to create a new de facto type of independent counsel. That's wrong. It's unconstitutional. And I oppose it. Okay, so I just want to make sure I understand this. This helps the president, but this is not something that you're trying to do to help the president. You're trying to make sure we protect the Constitution and the structure of our country. The, yeah, the, that's exactly right. I'd be doing the same thing in, with a Democratic president. Right. Uh, because this is about the structure of the Constitution, and that is a nonpartisan issue. So the president, because he is the chief executive, he oversees and he runs these departments, the Department of uh, Justice. So he is the chief executive, so he's the guy who can fire and hire. Now, that could be horrible politically for him. Uh, could, the, could the Senate or the House, Congress, take any action against him constitutionally if he did do this? Or is it just... Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. There's no doubt there would be political consequences. And there's no doubt that there are some things that would happen in response to it in the Congress if he did it. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I don't think he's going to fire him. I mean, first of all, it's been almost two years for crying out loud. He would have fired him by now if right. he was going to. Right. Um, secondly, he knows that there would be dire political consequences for him doing so. And that's why he's not going to do it anyway. That's why this is um, uh, much ado about nothing, in my opinion. In any event, even if it were not much ado about nothing, it's still constitutional and we shouldn't do it. Because it would then create a, a fourth branch that the Congress is overseeing in the Justice Department, right? 
Yeah, yeah, effectively, uh, because uh, this is a principal prosecutorial officer. All of our U.S. attorneys in the country, like the attorney general himself, are appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate, and serve at the pleasure of the president. That's how the system works. This bill would create a, a mini Department of Justice within the Department of Justice, one that would operate outside of the executive branch chain of authority, and that's not okay. So if I can break this down for people in, in ways that maybe they, they understand in their real life, um, you know, we, we all may have our own roles as mom and dad, but mom and dad have to agree that uh, what the roles and the rules are. This is like uh, you saying no to your son or daughter for going to a movie. And then mom says, well, no, there's this special carve out over here. Dad can't say that on this movie because I disagree with him. Yes, you can go. That just causes chaos in the family and destroys the family in the end. Yeah, I, the, the analogy is not perfect, but uh, I'll give you points for trying. I, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it gets close. It gets close. OK. All right. Um, Mike, there is the uh, the other that you are really in some ways getting hammered for by conservatives on on criminal justice reform and you've been you've been uh, spearheading this uh, along with others and i happen to agree with you um but uh, some conservatives are saying well you're just going soft on crime yeah the the opposite is true they could not be more wrong in order to fight crime we have to be smart about the way we fight it uh, michael mukasey uh, hardly a squish, you know, former attorney general of the United States, former federal judge uh, and real hard nose prosecutor uh, has explained that pretty soon we will cross the threshold where more than one third of the money going into the Department of Justice goes to running the prisons. Part of this is because of the fact that we've relied on these uh, sometimes excessive minimum mandatory penalties within the federal criminal justice system. Uh, guys like this guy, Weldon Angelos, who I've talked about in the past, who sold three dime bags of pot while carrying a gun, and he got 55 years in prison for it. It's ridiculous, and it diminishes our ability to fight crime effectively. So our bill would fix problems like that, giving judges an added degree of discretion uh, to put the, long, the, the, the really bad people, the dangerous people, behind bars for a long time, uh, but make the right choice on other people of risk. This bill would also uh, provide incentives for prisoners to go through training exercises that will have been proven to reduce their rate of recommitting an offense once they get out. This will make the American people safe, and that's why President Trump supports it. That's why I'm proud to be part of this effort. Mike, why have we not heard, <coughs> heard any uh, the the president come out in favor or anyone in Congress stand up for Asia Bibi? and say, we welcome Asia Bibi, the Christian from Pakistan that is, uh, you know, spent nine years in prison because she blasphemed the prophet and, and Supreme Court in Pakistan heard her case and said it was a travesty of justice. Uh, and because of that, her, her and her family under threat, England has passed, Germany has passed. Why are we not leading the way on this? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm happy to look into that. Would you? Look, we've got countries. Yeah, I'd be happy to. We've got countries around the world who do crazy things. This sounds like a particularly egregious one. And uh, whenever we've got a country that purports to be an ally in at least some respects, we ought to be able to exercise some degree of leverage on that. I mean, we have we, we have uh, 
we, we you know we, we we should be welcoming we're, we're having this problem in the border now and we're having a debate on what a refugee is uh well here's one here's here's a catholic woman who refuses to deny her faith and so she is she is going to be beheaded and dragged through the streets she's in hiding now she's trying to get a western country to take her nobody will and at the same time we have two million people now these uyghurs in in concentration camps in china and in washington dc just two days ago there was this this woman who has escaped from china she was pulled into one of these camps five times and she begged them for death they're they're doing things that are worse than george orwell was doing in 1984 and i think they're trying to sterilize the entire uyghur population and we don't seem to be even be talking about this we should be as a as a government as a party we should be showing the world what a real refugee looks like and it's not somebody who wants to come here for more economic opportunity. A real refugee is somebody like these people. Yeah, that's why we have refugee programs. It's why we have asylum laws is to take on uh, people like that who are being persecuted. And, and there is a real distinction. This is not to diminish the direness of anyone's circumstances around the world. But it is very significant, the distinction between people who live in a country economically depressed generally, on the one hand, and live in a country where the government is actively persecuting people based on their faith or based on some other immutable characteristic, uh, based on who they are more than what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I'm curious if you have any uh, uh, any thoughts on the investigation on Jeffrey Epstein. This uh, just came out. Uh, it has a lot to do with, I mean, certainly a lot of really shady um, uh, interactions, a very seemingly a sweetheart deal in which, you know, he had reportedly, allegedly, uh, you know, done all sorts of things to teenagers. And uh, it was a very, uh, sort of really twisted tale. And he wound up receiving 13 months in prison with all sorts of beneficial treatment. And it certainly seems like he was the beneficiary of his political connections and his money. Is there anything we can do to stop that sort of thing from happening going forward? And is there anything we can do about this particular case? Probably not, not anything that we can do about this particular case. Once a deal like that is done, uh, it can't really be undone as far as that deal is concerned. How do you, there, in this case, the, this case, in this case, there was, uh, he made a deal with, what was it? The local prosecutor not to prosecute. Yeah. That, I, I didn't even know that was possible. Basically they said they, 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 the agreement was a non-prosecution agreement, which, covered uh, not only him but his friends uh, and p- others associated with this uh, these incidents from being prosecuted even by the FBI it, 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 the way it read was it essentially canceled the FBI investigation that was going on is that even possible mike it does happen in some instances i would want to know more about it uh, before attacking it wholeheartedly i will say normally that is not the kind of sentence you expect to see uh, from that type of really vile oh, yeah. criminal behavior once in a while, you'll, you will see agreements like that if there is um, a failure of evidentiary proof, if there's significant un- uncertainty as to their ability to prove the crime, um, if there are uh, chain of custody problems with their evidence, or if somebody has uh, the ability to offer more evidence. Circumstances like that can come into a play. But like I say, that's not the kind of 
uh, response from the government that you typically see yeah. with regard to offenses like what you're describing. Because this kind of goes back to your your bill on criminal justice reform. I mean, you know, we can't be in a country in which someone who has a small amount of marijuana gets 55 years in prison and Jeffrey Epstein molests uh, potentially up to 100 underage teenagers. It makes them into slaves. And, yeah. And and winds up with 13 months. I mean, because I think yeah. when it comes to criminal justice reform, is it both sides of that? Is it making sure we punish uh, the real criminals more harshly and ones that are with minor offenses a lot less harshly? Is it, is it, is it both sides of that equation? No, it absolutely is. And, and this, this gets right to the heart of the point I was trying to make earlier, which is that this bill that we're talking about uh, really is hard on crime. If you, if you want to make the American people safer, should pass this bill because when we're so focused on locking the guy who sells three dime bags of pot up for 55 years, that ends up having an effect when you have minimum mandatory sentences that automatically take you there. And then you have prosecutorial policies that encourage prosecutors to bring those cases because they're easier to win, easier to prove and result in an automatically really high sentence. You end up missing the boat or you end up diverting scarce resources away from other far more dangerous offenders. And so, yeah, I think this uh, quite arguably helps prove the need for this bill. Yeah. I just think that there's this, we're, we're, we're growing into the state and, and it's, it's, you know, it's why people are clamoring to get here. They're, they're not clamoring here to, to work at Walmart. What they really are clamoring to work here for is a fair shake and a system of of justice that isn't corrupt. And it seems like our justice system is becoming one where we're we're hammering people for doing very little. If you have no connections, you, of course, get the maximum sentence. But if the same person has a lot of connections, they get nothing. They walk away. No, that's exactly right. And that undermines the legitimacy of the criminal justice system. And it's yet another reason why we need to pass this bill. And I also like how you connected that to the border crisis. I I, I think the two are related. They are. Look, what, what scares us about this is not the country of origin. It's not anything about their ethnicity. It's the mob behavior that we've seen, Mm -hmm. the mob lawlessness. Now, if you go to anywhere, any venue in your day-to-day life, whether it's church, the grocery store, a sporting event, a rock concert, uh, an amusement park, uh, even your workplace, chances are pretty good you're going to have to cross through a gate, a fence, a door, something where there are rules governing your entrance and your exit. If you break those rules, especially if you break those rules as part of a large mob, there will be consequences. You will be thrown out. And if you can't be thrown out, if we reward the behavior of a mob in that respect, those same venues that you today enjoy will quickly become ruined. They will quickly no longer be created. They won't be there for you to enjoy. Well, I just just can't believe so many people are standing up for this, as you would say, this mob. Um, And and yet at the same time, the people who created those mobs in in Europe, Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, the the policy that we had in Libya, they're now going and, and talking all over Europe saying, you know, this migration thing, this immigrant thing, that was a real mistake. And yet they're still standing up for it here. Doesn't make any sense. And they're disregarding the fact that there are people right here. I mean, I I lived for two years along the Texas-Mexico border, and I can tell you there's no group of people more concerned than the poor and middle-class Americans 
many of whom, in some neighborhoods, most of whom are themselves immigrants or the children of immigrants. There's nobody more scared than they are about uncontrolled waves of mass migration. You know, it's easy for people who are hundreds or thousands of miles north of that border, living in their gated communities, sending mm-hmm. their kids to elite schools, uh, to say, let them all in. It's quite another thing for those who actually live in the areas most affected. Yeah. We ought to be worried about them. Yeah. Senator Mike Lee, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Mike Rowe and his mom coming on in just a second. You don't want to miss that. Our sponsor this half hour is uh, Simply Safe. Simply Safe Home Security. Um, you know, they've been keeping people safe now for years. Uh, they, they now protect 2 million households nationwide. 2 million. Everyone they started, they started with us on this program. Uh, and now they're, you know, the leading authority on uh, the high-tech solutions and the simple solutions of keeping your family safe. SimplySafeBeck.com. It has no long-term contracts. There are no hidden fees. You own the system. 24-7 professional monitoring is $14.99 a month, and there is no contract. So you just stop paying and they stop governing you. But your alarm system still works. You've been getting the um, if you've been waiting to get the right security system for your house. Now is the time probably to do it, especially around the holidays. This is when break ins increase. You're not going to find a better time to secure your home and your family. All you have to do is go to simply dot com. Get uh, their special holiday offers. It's simply dot com. Sa- save now on your simply safe system just by going to simply dot com. I'm I am so excited to talk to uh, Mike Rowe's mom. Mike Rowe is going to be on with his mom. Uh, uh, Peggy is uh, she's now 80 and uh, she's got I don't even know how many millions of followers uh, she has now. She has fans everywhere, but she grew up. She was a uh, she was a tomboy. Uh, she was a horse rider, but her mom was this. um Peggy says she was like a tyrant who was determined to raise these, you know, really sweet little girls. And then in the 1950s, her mom, the Orioles come to town. They live in Baltimore. And she said her mom goes crazy. And her mom becomes this big Orioles fan. And she, like, literally just went off the edge for the O's. And the <laughs> schedule was taped to the uh, the refrigerator don't mess with mom during the seasons. She would be cussing out the television, the umpires. She, she'd get so mad sometimes she'd throw her underwear at the TV. And Peggy was like, oh, my gosh, my mother is insane. And yet somehow or another, uh, she didn't turn out. Uh, she didn't turn out like that. And she goes and she raises Mike Rowe, who if you've, if you've ever paid any attention to him, he is extraordinarily bright. He's really smart and very well grounded. Oh my gosh! I, I feel like his posts, like they're, they, they, people, people treat him like they're like some amazing, like thing. Like let's, let's, let's read this viral post. It's amazing, but it's like common for him. He does it all the time all because the time. he's off just the speaking top of common sense off the top of his head in a really intelligent way. He's never. I've not heard him. It's weird because he's such a deep thinker, but I have never heard him overthink something. He mm-hmm. might use really deep language, but he's just talking common sense, and it just flows from him. Yeah. And it's, it's got to come from her. It's got to come from her. 
So that, that's an interesting investigation here. It is. Uh, it is. And it's, 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 I think they're having a lot of fun with this book, too. Yeah, they are. Um, so, that, yeah, this will be a great conversation. He's awesome. I remember the first time we had Mike on, he said, you know, I don't know about this Facebook thing. I said, oh, Mike, you got to do Facebook. <laughs> How do I do it? We helped him set up his Facebook account. Really? Yeah. When he came here, we helped him set up his Facebook account. He's like, I'm going to give this a try. You think that really? And I'm like, yes, yes, that you really should do that. Now he's one of the biggest things on Facebook. And they have all of his information and they can see into his bathroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they, other than that, yeah, it worked we, out well. We're going to do an interview with his mom. And, but then we've got Zuckerberg on and he's going to tell us a real story about Mike <laughs> and his mom. <laughs> Coming up next. We want to welcome to the program um, a, a friend of the uh, show and his mom, uh, Mike Rowe, and, uh, and his mother, Peggy. Hello, Peggy. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. Good. I, 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 Mike, I'm sorry uh, that we're going to waste your time here. We really wanted to talk to your mom. Um, but uh, uh, you're, uh, are you there, Mike? I'm, I'm right yeah, okay. here. Is my mother there? I, yeah. I didn't hear so her. You're not, wa- you're not wasting his time after all. Okay. All right. Good. So, uh, uh, Peggy, I wanted to uh, start with you and first give you a compliment on raising an amazing son. Uh, he is, I, I, I don't know how you did it. I'm raising a son. I don't know how, what you did, but he is kind. He is smart. He is one of only two people that have come into our broadcast studios uh, in the last, uh, what, almost 10 years now. And after he was done, he went into the control room and shook the hand of every person that he, he had no reason, nothing to gain from any of these people. Uh, and he is he's a remarkable man. You did a great job. Well, thank you. You know, I really can't argue with anything you've said. Um, I was hoping you would. <laughs> well, he has his moments, of course. Yes. He's not perfect. Um, but he is unfailingly gracious to everyone. He respects uh, people and the jobs they do. Um, and, you know, it's always been like that. And that's sincere. Yeah, that's, I know it is. That's nothing fake. Yeah. So, so, Mike, can you tell me what it was about your mom that helped you turn out this way? Well, Glenn, I'm at somewhat of a disadvantage because I can't hear my delightful mother oh, no. talking to you. So, so God knows what she's saying. She just says, <laughs> However, she's, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that works to our advantage, by the way. We I have mean, Mike at a soundproof uh, booth. <laughs> you really do. This could oh, be some I can't sort of game-changing game show if we do this right. Uh, or the end of my misspent career. But either way, Glenn, what what was your question precisely? <laughs> I, I was just, now apparently Peggy can't hear you either, so this is not going to work out well. Um, but we, <laughs> I don't know why. Can we? We've been working on it. Yeah, working on it. There should issue. be some technical issue. This is this not happened before. I, what I was asking was, what is it about your mother that mm. helped you turn out? Because I, I know a little bit about her, you know, her mom. What is it that, your mom did that helped you turn out the way you are mike mike yes um she well look like any good mom she provided a great example but she also had something that a lot of good mothers today don't have and that is her own good mother living a hundred yards away Mm. who basically had carte blanche to walk into our home anytime day or night uh, and completely upset the apple cart in a way that was both fun, horrifying, instructive, 
unforgettable. And um, <laughs> it's just, I mean, really. Okay, so hey, when, go, go ahead, Mike. When you have a force of nature living yeah. in your neighborhood yes. who has a key to your home, <laughs> you, you simply sit back hope for the best and take good notes so peggy that's where i want to go i don't know if you could hear him yet but mike was talking about your mom and said one of the things that really affected him was that she was a force of nature and she had a key to the house uh and uh and it which made things exciting Uh, what little i know about your mother you describe her and this seems like an understatement as an uh, as a baltimore orioles fan uh, that would throw her underwear at the TV and swear at the umpires. Uh, can you? Oh, by the way, I by the way, I could hear Mike. Oh, okay, you could. Good. Okay, good. Hi, mom. How are you? There you go. Hey, Mike. Long time. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you miss me? Be honest. <laughs> okay. Ten so minutes ago we talked. So tell me. So uh, Peggy, tell me about your. Uh, tell me about your mom. And growing up with your mom. Well, yeah. You know, I, I say in the book that I actually had two mothers, and that's true. Mother number one was refined and sophisticated. She enjoyed the opera, the ballet. She played contract bridge. She dressed impeccably, and her home was always ready for guests. And then in 1954, the Baltimore Orioles came to town, and mother number one just kind of disappeared. Um, mother number two was a crazed Baltimore Orioles fan. She did. She jumped up and down and hooped and hollered. Um, oh, and she would drag me out to Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Yeah. And she would dance in the aisles and shout obscenities at umpires. And, and you had I never mean, seen any of this from your mother before. Oh, absolutely not. This was a complete 180 from my mother. Um, and for a, a young teenage girl, it oh, was very embarrassing. Horrifying. Oh, it was terrible. I really had to be very careful when I invited friends over. I had to make sure there was no ball game on that day. Okay, so, so, so after the ball game, she would go right back to mom number one. You know, in most cases, she would. Unless, of course, there was a sports program on. Uh, like baseball talk or, um, you know, where they would talk about the game, the post game. I mean, mother number two would remain as long as there was anything baseball happening in the area. And then number one, you know, mother number one would return. Now, was there... I mean, I know it was. Is was there something wrong with her, or was this just her passion? <laughs> well, I don't think there was anything really wrong with her. It was just a passion. She just loved baseball, and you know, to my knowledge, this was her first encounter with sports, except for high school where she played basketball and my mother was always in charge so i always think that she probably was the captain of her team um but no um previously she had not really had anything to do with sports so this was a surprise to all of us yes so mike let me ask you the same question (laughs) was there something wrong with her or oh yeah (laughs) yeah 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 
Yeah, I'm going to go with, you know, a fundamental uh, defect in a, in, in a chromosome, probably. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wouldn't go so far to say uh, it was a deficiency, but it was definitely an anomaly. Um, because among her many other traits, my my grandmother, she was a corrector, you know, in the same way, like if she was still around today and on, on Facebook, much like my dad, actually, um, you know, she couldn't bear to hear a story being told uh, whose facts didn't comport precisely with her recollection of them, mm. unless, unless she was talking about my mom or any of her grandkids, in which case she lied like a <laughs> And it was, no, it my, was my, amazing. My, she oh, mom, honestly, what did she say? I was an extra, basically, in the opera. I had one line. I sang in the chorus, right? I've told you this story back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I got into the Baltimore Opera. Mm-hmm. Well, my grandmother loved the opera. And so when she learned that I was singing in it, I mean, she was literally introducing me to her friends as a guy who was touring with Pavarotti and Domingo. And, um, you know, I mean, I was literally a star of the opera world. And I had basically Forrest Gumped my way into the Baltimore Opera. I didn't know Italian. I didn't know anything. But when my grandmother talked about her grandsons, we could do no wrong. And I didn't know how to behave, you know, when I was 18, 19, hearing this version of me that sounded pretty good but wasn't true but i swear there was something in her that that made a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy she she made everybody around her want to be better than they were in whatever way she had to do and in my case it was just wanton prevarication i just met a family uh i i I just met a family uh yesterday that live all on 25 acres in in houston uh and the family split it up back in the 50s between like five brothers and now those five brothers uh, all live in a house uh and and with their families and now their kids are trying to buy up some of the property around and they keep splitting it and they said it's the greatest thing ever we're it's not a compound we're just all living next to each other and that's the way it used to be and I think there is something really, really good to be said about having family right there. I agree. Go ahead, Peggy. Yeah, <laughs> on a sitcom. Well, it could be like a sitcom, but, you know, holidays would come and there was no question as to who would be in our house, uh, who would help us celebrate birthdays, the 4th of July, um, Memorial Day, every holiday. My parents were there. Um, they were so supportive of the children. And I know it must have seemed to Mike as though they popped in and out all the time, but really they respected our privacy um, for the most part. And, you know, they were active people. They both worked. So um, they weren't at home all the time. Um, But, yeah, my mother did have, I mean, she knew how things should be. And when she came over, and if I was playing on the floor with the children, she would invariably say, well, it must be nice to have all your housework done. And I knew mm. what she meant by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peggy, 
Peggy, the, the name of your book is about my mother. Um, thank you so much for uh, uh, for sharing her, and thanks for coming on the program. And I, uh, I, I really, uh, I'm just so impressed with your son, and I, I know that's not coming from him. Uh, I, <laughs> I know that's coming from uh, an amazing family, uh, and I just, I just really wanted to tell you, job well done, job well done. I, I will accept that compliment. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah, I, and you won't get any disagreement from me. <laughs> wow, the lying well, continues in the family, game. doesn't it? It never stops. <laughs> it never stops. You're, you're shameless. You're shameless. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. God bless. Glenn, thank you, as always. I do owe you a solid for that Facebook thing, Once Upon a Time, and uh, now That's I owe so you funny. another one for this. Uh, no, you don't, I appreciate but it. thank you so much. 80, 81 years old, New York Times bestseller. When has that ever happened? Awesome. So great. Peggy, <laughs> keep going strong. Write another one. God bless. Thank you, Glenn. This has been, this has been fun. Thanks. Great. Thank you. About My Mother is the name of the book. You can find it now. Peggy Rowe, Mike Rowe's uh, mom just they're just great people glenn back tonight on tv no catastrophe is too catastrophic no apocalypse is too apocalyptic no sports questions are too be answered i don't know what's going on here glenn takes your calls live on the air the show starts at 5 p.m eastern so get in line a little early at 888-727-BECK only on the blaze welcome to the program uh glad you're here gonna be in tampa is today thursday yes uh, yes gonna be in tampa uh we're flying out tonight we're gonna be there uh live from wfla tomorrow uh and i'm so excited to uh see the old tampa fans uh in in concert tomorrow night I don't remember the name of the theater. What is it? The Stranahan or something go to like that? Go slash tour. Yeah. Is the name of the place you should go to. Okay, look at that's what you look for. And mm-hmm. then on Saturday, we're going to be in Orlando. Yes, in Orlando, one of our first affiliates. It's cool to go back to kind of where the whole thing started whole here. Thing started. With and program. we blame you. America blames you. Yes. Should Tampa. we give away one more pair of tickets? We haven't uh, sure. done that at all, all yeah. today. One more pair of tickets uh, for Orlando and Tampa. Uh, if you want to go to either one of those shows, call us now, 888-727-BECK. Also, uh, got this in. Um, my family and I lived in uh, the province in China where the Uyghur people uh, live for over five years. We had a business that was for the purpose of helping young Uyghur men integrate into society as well as bring pride to their culture. We showed many people the love of Jesus while we were there and made many friends. We recently just left the region because of our contact with the local Uyghur people was causing harm to their families. People would be taken in the middle of the night after a small amount of contact with us. They were taken to a prison and reeducated. I listen to your podcasts. I guess the recent radio program uh, was uh, I listened to the radio program and I was incredibly grateful to the point of tears for your bringing this news up. It seems like it's just not popular because it doesn't fit anybody's political narrative. It really only fits the narrative of our Lord suffering and laying our lives down for another. Uh, one another. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It means so much to my Uyghur friends who are suffering greatly in China. It means so much for my best friend who is currently being forced to teach propaganda to others inside of the camps, or he becomes a prisoner of the camp. Please don't stop bringing this to light, Ben. Mm. 
Ben, our thoughts and prayers are with you and all of those who are suffering uh, in China. I don't know why this country is not leading the way anymore, uh, but we need to lead the way, especially with people claiming to be refugees that need asylum. We need to define what real refugees and people who need asylum are and give them shelter. Glenn Beck Mercury.